In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So welcome Epiphany. Christmas season's over, a new season is upon us. What's an epiphany? Aha, I heard an aha. That's, that's, that's getting there, yeah. The word implies an enlightenment, a sudden enlightenment, a dawning. It's not just a, a little aha. It's not just a, the light bulb over the head in the comics. It's a big light, a light coming into the world. It's not just a bright idea. An epiphany, the epiphany with a capital E, is the full realization of how things come together. Not just an aha, but I see. During the epiphany season, we celebrate the world's realization of how all things fit together. We celebrate the light coming into the world. The Feast of the Epiphany itself, which was yesterday, is a celebration of the revelation of Christ's light to the Gentiles, the Gentiles being represented in the person of, of the Magi who followed the star and, and were the first non-Jews to, to encounter the newborn Christ. Through the rest of the seasons, or the Sundays of this season, we'll hear all about revelations. We'll hear about the calling of the first apostles. And we'll hear about Jesus daring to leave the safety of Galilee and to go out into the rest of Judea to let his light shine there. During the weeks, on the weekdays, if you follow the, the weekly readings and, and the progression of saints' days, we'll, we'll hear about Peter's epiphany as we mark the feast of his confession when he told Jesus, you are the Messiah. A week later, we'll hear about Paul's epiphany as we celebrate the light that dawned on him on that road to Damascus. And this whole season of Revelation is bracketed today, and on the last Sunday before Ash Wednesday, it's bracketed by the great theophanies, those moments when God speaks again into creation, those moments when the Spirit again moves over the face of the waters and the Father utters the eternal word. We'll finish the Epiphany season with the Transfiguration. But today, today the season begins with baptism. Baptism today, how do I say this? It's become something of a tame sacrament. It's a time when, you know, the family gathers. It's a time when you find great-great-grandmother's christening gown and you put it on the baby and, and then you splash the baby with a little bit of water out of a, a bowl on a stick. And then after service, there are some pictures and maybe there's a party. But you know, baptism wasn't always that way. In the early days of the church, baptism was different. In the early days of the church, baptism happened at the Easter Vigil, the congregation would gather after dark at the church, and they would all together make their way there from the church to, to maybe the, the closest river or at least the nearest living water, flowing water. And there, when they came to the water, the candidates who had not yet been permitted to remain in church service through, through communion, those candidates would make their vows and they would face west, and they would spit on the ground as they renounced Satan and all his works, and then they would turn to the east, and they would proclaim their acceptance of Jesus Christ and, and his salvation. 
and then they would be stripped of their garments and they would enter the water naked before God. And there they're fully immersed in the cold flowing water, dying and being buried with Christ and then emerging finally to be fully alive and, and clothed in, in white robes. That's where the alb comes from, the baptismal garment. And then they would be anointed with fragrant oil to, to symbolize the, the flame of the Spirit and the light of the Spirit. And then at last they would go with the rest of the congregation back into the church and they would share for the first time in the spiritual food of the baptized and the, the body and the blood of the one whose life they now shared. Now that's religion. I wish we could do it the old way, with the possible exception of the nakedness. I, <laughs> I wish we could do it that way still. Instead, uh, honestly, the typical way baptism happens now, not always, but, but way too often. Parents whom I've never met will arrive at church one Sunday and, and ask if they can make arrangements to have the baby done and we'll baptize the baby and we won't see any of them ever again. But here's a question. Baptism once was wonderful and dramatic and its symbolism was deeper and, and that's all great. But so what? Someone gets wet. A new person is, is finally and, and fully included in the community of the church and that's a good thing. But is that it? All of that drama just for a new pledge? Actually, you know what? If you promise a new pledge, I, I'll go through all that. <laughs> there's more. Of course there's more. Baptism, every baptism, whether it's dramatic and symbolic or, or sweet and cuddly, every baptism is a theophany. Every baptism is a moment when God speaks again into creation. Every baptism is a moment when Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are fully present. In baptism, each person comes to the water, whether it's the River Jordan or the Willamette or, or a cereal bowl. They come to the water and they stand in Christ as Christ stands in them dying together with Christ, buried together with Christ, rising together with Christ, and Christ is fully present. In baptism, we don't just add another person to the role. In baptism, God is fully present. In baptism, we listen and we hear the voice of God speaking reality in the being, saying, this is my child, my beloved. In baptism, we enter that theophany, and in baptism, the Spirit descends on each of us like a dove, the comforter, unseen but felt. And there's a sweet, sweet Spirit in this place. Or maybe not. Maybe not. You see, this year it's lectionary year B. And in lectionary year B, we hear Mark's gospel. Mark tells things a little bit differently. Each of the Gospels has its own symbol. John is an eagle, Luke is a bull, Matthew has a human face. Mark is a lion. 
Mark is, is full of fierce action. As you read through Mark's gospel, you'll find that about every third word he says, immediately. Mark tells us that the Spirit descended like a dove. Very sweet. That's where the sweetness ends in Mark. The very next verse, the very next verse after today's passage ends, it says, and the Spirit immediately drove him into the wilderness. Drove him into the wilderness. Matthew and Luke, the Spirit, is a kinder, gentler Spirit who leads him into the wilderness. In Mark, it's a driving force. The Spirit is a driving force. The Holy Spirit, according to Mark, is more like an eagle than a dove. And that is the so what of baptism. It isn't just about becoming an adopted child of God, although that would be enough. And it isn't just about dying and being raised to new life in Christ, although that would be enough. If in baptism we truly enter into this theophany, then in baptism we are also submitting ourselves not only to comfort and guidance, but to the irresistible driving force of the Holy Spirit. And you never know what's going to happen next. It may be that she drives us into the wilderness to be tempted, to learn to pray as we fight our demons. Or maybe she, she drives us to, to speak in tongues and, and prophesy. Or That would be embarrassing. <laughs> or maybe she drives us into the wilderness to turn stones into bread and to feed those who hunger and, and to house those who have no place to lay their heads. Or, or maybe she drives us to prisons or, or hospitals or protests or the halls of power. But one way or another, the Holy Spirit, our gift in baptism, drives us out to do her work in the world. Wherever she sends us, when we are baptized, we say to the Holy Spirit, may it be with me as you say. When we're baptized, when I was baptized, the so what for me is adoption and eternal life. But the so what of baptism for the world is that we are driven, we are compelled to go out into it and to live out God's will for it and do God's work in it. And that means that you are the revelation of God to the Gentiles. That means that you are the one who goes out and calls others to come and follow. That means that you are the one who leaves this safe home to risk the changes and chances of life out there in the wilderness. That means that you are the light of the world. Welcome, Epiphany. Amen.